2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 71. And unfortunately, like last week, when, or unfortunately, as compared to last week, when we had a little bit of optimism throwing, flowing through all of our veins, we will not have much optimism, I assume, flowing through our veins this week. So just as a reminder, you can follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You can uh, leave us a rating and a review there. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also find us on social media platforms, Twitter and Facebook. Search black and white and red all over. So now that I've got the plugs out of the way, we've got a new order to introduce this week because we are Chuck's List, a man who is actually able to get away from the in-law, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio.
3: Hey, fellas. Happy happy to be here. Yeah, I, I was able to take a little bit of a break. From the family reunion, but always happy to do it for the pot.
2: And you are first in line this week, Sergio. I'm, I'm not used to that. You're usually bringing up the rear. Not that there's I know anything wrong
3: with that. I know, I know. You know, it's 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 good. It's a come up. It's a come up <laughs> for me for
2: sure. And filling Chuck's Dutch shoes this week, we've got Caleb turrentine Hello, Caleb.
4: Hey guys, how we doing? I'm not Dutch, but I can complain about Juventus all the same
3: either
2: way. Yes, we we will ask you to sound just as philosophical as Chuck (laughs) sounds whenever he comments on them and make random book references and all that good stuff. We say that because we love you, Chucks. But anyways, as I said, Juventus had a very bad week since we last joined you all. A loss to Sassuolo, a loss to Hellas Verona. And after today, Sunday, in which we're recording, we look up at the standings And there are 16 points in between Juventus and the Serie A leaders. So, Sergio, as usually is the case when we record, your grab bag is the most fresh thing in my mind. And I think you made some really good points in it. So we'll start with you. Just how bad was this week and what the heck is going on with Juventus? Plain and simple.
3: Yeah, it's a pretty big picture question right there. You know, it's tough. It's tough because, like I said, 16 points. Look, it's, it's Halloween. I don't want to say that the season is over in Halloween. Uh, just mathematically, it's not. But it, it it really, 16 points is a lot of points. That's a lot of points that, you know, they're down already. And, you know, they could be five points. They could be 16 points. But the way this team is playing right now, you know, I, I just don't see how... You kind of you know get those get those points back, get back into that that discussion. You know, it's really it's really tough to be to be in this position. And look, I don't think this team will look as bad as they did in this last couple of weeks, in this last couple of games. I'm sorry, uh, I don't think they will continue to look as bad moving on. And I don't think that Napoli and, and the leaders will continue to be world beaters for the remainder of the year. But it, it's still you know it's it's a shocking number to see so early in the season that they're down by 16 points. And when you take a look at, at, you know, not only these two games, but as a whole in the season, it's tough to make the case that it's not warranted, that they're not where they should be. And sure, there's been a couple of bad breaks, a couple, you know, results that could have, you know, come out another way. But overall, I think this is just who this team is or who this team has shown to be in this first few months of the of the Max Allegri 2.0 era you know whether or not that ends up flipping whether or not you know we're talking here and in, in, in you know March or, or April and we're thinking like oh how fools we were of, of you know doubting Max Allegri and Juventus who knows but right now sitting here this team and and as he admitted in, in his you know post-match conference this team is a mid-table team that's what they have shown in domestic competition that's not only with the numbers, but what the, the eye test shows that they are a mid-table team, and they've been surprisingly good in Europe, and we can talk about that later. But just domestically, this team is a mid-table team right now, and it's really tough to make an argument that that they're not. And if that keeps going, you know, that that's who they're going to. That's who they're going to be when the season is done, and that's definitely something new for for Juventus fans who last season we saw a top 4 finish as by far the worst result we've had in 10 years and now it's like it's 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 a possibility that now we're actually looking at top 4 as the goal for this season which is a, a pretty pretty big change in expectations for juventus fans yeah
4: i think the biggest thing when you when you talk about 16 points off the leaders. I think it's even it's too tough to even think about talking about the leaders at this point. They're that far off. It doesn't even seem like they should Juventus should be in the same conversation with Napoli AC Milan. They're four points off fourth place. That's that's sad, but that's your goal right now. Correct that, get there, and then see where you are. You know, with how close you are to the leaders, come to the point where you, where you're at a point where you can actually start thinking about the leaders. You know, they haven't played well enough to be in that conversation. And you mentioned it. They're they have shown that they are a mid-table team. Right above them is now Hellas Verona, who just beat them. Right below them is an employee team, who beat them earlier this year, have a one-goal win against Torino, and they have a loss to Sassuolo. That's mid-table right now. That's exactly who they belong with. Those are the teams that they belong with. So it's not necessarily a surprise, uh, I, I don't think, even with how good we were feeling you know, maybe a week ago after, after that unbeaten run. But um, it, it's, just, it's just how – how everything has come together is just like, yeah, this is, this is where they are. This is where they belong. And uh, until they fix things, it's not really going to surprise me if they stay here for another, you know, month or two.
2: I think somebody in the comments mentioned it and forgive me for not remembering who it was, but they made a really good point after the Sassuolo game is like, look, you know, the, the teams above Juventus are going to drop points. That's only natural in a season. I mean, nobody, you know, nobody is, good enough to go completely, you know, 38-0 and, and sweep the season or go unbeaten and, and all that. The league's just too balanced for that to happen. But the problem is you've also got Juventus dropping way too many points than, than the leaders probably will at some point. So as much as we try and kind of do the math, it's like, well, we need this to happen, we need that to happen. The first things first is Juventus just, again, a lot like last season. We're, we're living this season now week to week. And as much as last, like Caleb just said, as last, as much as last week, we were kind of feeling a little optimistic and Hey, you know, they, they had the draw against enter. They, they are playing relatively well in the champions league outside of the match against Zenit. They're unbeaten in almost a month. And now all of a sudden here, a week later, it's like, well, you know, I'm going to edit myself on this. Well, where the, where the hell are we going to go from here? And honestly, I'm, I'm, I know it's an audio medium but I'm just right now I'm just throwing my hands up like I have no idea where the hell this team goes other than And, and that's <laughs> and, and that's
3: exactly right you just don't know because this team was coming off a 9 game unbeaten um, streak this team is coming off of you know going 3 for 3 in in, in European competition you know this team was coming off of a really even matched like a game that you know ended in a draw against inter a, a team that is a, a you know a contender for the city at title and that they definitely looked on the level like they looked in that competition they didn't look like a mid-table team and then you get this back-to-back performances in which you're like that like is was that the same team like it, it, it really is a night and day thing and i think a lot of that i think a lot of that comes to to the players i, I think a lot of players in this team are just very hot and cold, are just very inconsistent, or just very, you know, things have go have got to go perfectly right for them to be good, to to you know display a good level. And if you have too many of those guys, then you, you'll just never be consistent. And I think when you look at this team, when you look at the squad, you know, it's it's pretty much the same team in a lot of ways, uh, doing the same core that that has been, you know putting forward this performances for like what three years now and three coaches, three different coaches now. And we keep seeing this, like you just don't know what you're going to get from these guys. And, and when you don't have consistency, when you can't really rely on, 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 players to perform at a roughly, you know, similar level week in and week out, it's going to be very tough to predict what's going to happen. And you could see Juventus, you know, roll out another nine, 10, Unbeaten game streak. Or you could see them, you know, put back-to-back performances like the ones we just saw. And and there's really no way of knowing that. And and that to me has been, you know, the biggest takeaway that I that I've seen from from this couple games and from kind of like the last month is this team just doesn't have enough consistent performers. You know, you look back to to a guy that's you know a fan favorite, like a Stefan Lichsteiner type of guy. He wasn't the flashiest dude, but you could you know, you, you pretty much knew what you were getting from him week in and week out. And you look at a lot of players like that has, that have been Juventus player in this, you know, 10-year streak, and there were a lot of guys like that. You look at the team right now, and I just don't see players that you just can consistently rely on. And as long as we don't fix that, like that, you know, systemic problem almost, I think you're going to keep, you know, seeing this unpredictability with Juventus.
4: Yeah, going back to the results itself, though, like I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of grouping these two last two games together uh, as in terms of performances because the Cesaro loss was frustrating for a different reason because, you know, you couldn't get that breakthrough to find a winning goal and then suddenly they go down. I mean, a loss and a draw, probably not going to feel too much different about that game if we walk away 1-1 instead. You know, I feel like everyone's still going to be pretty upset about it, especially with how Allegri went in talking about how he needed to win. And that's why he threw everyone forward. And, you know, at a certain point, I get that. that that's no big deal. But Saturday's game against Hellas Verona was just straight up bad. You got outplayed by Hellas Verona, and it, like for at least 80 minutes of that game, that wasn't the case in Sassuolo. I mean, Juventus wasn't great against Sassuolo, Essel- but they played the same as they did, and you know, maybe against Zenit or a couple other their 1-0 wins, or even the you know draw against Milan earlier. That didn't feel it didn't feel you know like a great performance, but it felt like what the rest of the season had gone with. And then to not see a response from from that, I, I think, really showed, you know, that they didn't think that they played that badly. So there wasn't that sense of urgency coming out against Hellas Verona. And then they go down to O, and there's still no sense of urgency. There's still there, – there's no response there at all. And I think that's probably the biggest worry, and that's why I'm way more concerned with the loss to Hellas Verona than I am about the one to cesuolo That's why I don't want to lump them together because it, it really feels like Saturday's defeat was – miles worse in my mind at least how I saw the games.
2: The the sense of urgency thing, I mean that's been something we've talked about. I mean Sergio, I feel like we've talked about that on this podcast ever since we started the whole damn thing up and we started it when Italy was in lockdown. So it's not like we we (laughs) we had games to cover the first couple months, but I mean it the sense of urgency it's just it's continuously no matter if it's maritio Sari, if it's Andrea Pirlo, if it's Max Allegri before Sari or now after Pirlo. I mean it's just uh, it it seems more and I think you addressed it in the grab bag to go back to that again it just seems more of an institutional problem rather than a managerial problem because it's now four different managerial stints where we've seen this sense of urgency sense of urgency excuse me either kick in way too late or just not kick in at all and, and
3: to be fair I do want to shout out the, the one dude especially I, I agree with Caleb in the sense that they were they, they were two different games, both in the, you know, in the actual, you know, how the game developed and, you know, despite the result, both results being losses, I do think they were different, different games in how Juventus performed. Uh, but I do want to shout out the one guy that I did see that sense of urgency. And that was Paulo Di against Hellas Verona. That was one of those games that he just decided he was going to shoot every single time he had the ball. And he was going to try to, you know, put the team on his shoulder and get the result by himself. And that was kind of like the only guy that I saw at least, you know, really at least realize how urgent it was and how, you know, we just lost midweek and now we're losing here 2-0 early. We have 70 minutes left to, to get this result. Like, let's go and get it. That was the only guy that I could see. Okay, he, he at least understands the urgency. When it comes to to the state of the club, like in a bigger picture type of thing, like okay, if we lose this one, we go sixteen points now. Like, what are we doing here? That was the one guy that I saw. Okay, he's actually really, really, really going for it. But outside of that, yeah, you just didn't see a lot of you know, just I don't know if urgency is the right word. I don't know if it's just you know caring. I know all of these guys care, uh, but it, it just it seems like a team that still believes that results will just come naturally that they will just find a way to win. And they're just not really, you know, I don't know, putting their best foot forward. It's, it's frustrating to see that this team continuously manages to play under, you know, under what we expect of them, under their level of talent, in a way. So, and and like you said, it's not a managerial thing. We were saying the same thing when Mauricio Sarri was the coach and we were saying the same thing with Andrea Pirlo. And now we're saying the same thing with Max Allegri. It's like at some point you have to look at the one common denominator, and that's you know, these guys, this team, these players, they're they're just not they're just not reliable enough. They're just not reliable enough to to you know really mount the title challenges that they are expected to. And right now they're they're paying the price. With
0: Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: Yeah, that, that
0: mentality that you
4: talk about that they, they just feel like wins are going to come no matter what. And you look back to the last couple of years, a lot of these players who have been there, you know, been on this squad and gone through these managerial changes. How many of them can you say have actually, like, stepped up their game in two years? How many of them have improved over the course of two years? Everything is so stagnant and stale. And I think that mentality is something that comes from that because two years ago, they won a league title. They're still playing in Champions League. You know, they, they, they're getting the games, the minutes that, you know, they've always gotten. And they just think it seems like nothing is changing. And that staleness of this, I feel like has defined this entire season.
2: Yeah. And I I guess going off of that, obviously, you know, we, we kind of I threw out the question, you know, where do we go from here? And since Caleb has not only been on match recap duty these last few, these last few weeks, but he's also, Filling Chuck's tactical shoes, so we'll we'll pick the brain of the the man who's filling in for the man with the tactical know how on this on this podcast. But you've been mentioning in your recaps, Caleb, just how the four four two just ain't it. And I think you know we we've seen it you know sporadically through these these last couple of weeks of of games where you know the performance is bad, and it's just you know Max Allegri you know outside of the Sassolo game really isn't necessarily going for it in terms of either adding on to his lead or looking for hell multiple goals. So in your mind i mean it obviously we would love for max allegri to kind of have that come to jesus moment where he goes okay well it's time for you know the 4231 let's make something happen and take advantage of all these wingers we have rather than having adrian rabio play out wide. So yeah i mean i i guess that's a long way of asking how how uh, how much more are you willing to give the 442 any kind of leash
4: not ever really. I don't know. I've already got tired enough. <laughs> it the first time I saw it, you know, in formation. I was like, this isn't this makes no sense with the personnel that we have. It doesn't, it doesn't fit at all. The first time I saw Rabi over there, I'm like, what is happening? Uh, the only, you know, central midfielder I would say that would want to play out there is Bernadeschi, who was, you know, been a winger for a lot of his career anyway. So um, I I don't know. I mean, in fairness, the four-four-two, it shifts. It doesn't always look like a four-four-two. But then at times it's just like it it sits there and a left mid isn't playing left mid. And then sometimes he's out there further wide than Alexandro. And I'm like, so this is a four, four, two. And then it doesn't look good when it's like that. And I'm all for, I want to go to a three, four, two, one kind of thing. I mentioned that I feel like several weeks ago in an article, but this just isn't working. And I'm, I'm not one to question Allegri tactically very often, because at, at a certain point, you do think that he's going to have that moment where he's going to come up with a way to fix it, or, or we're going to see, you know, this was always in his plan, this is how it's supposed to play, and it's just taking time for the players to get it, but it, it still just doesn't make any sense why it was even started and, and why it's not changed after an obviously bad start to the season.
3: I think when but last year when Andrea Pirlo was you know struggling and we were you know on the way to missing on, on the on Champions League football, I I actually appreciated and and you know shouted out Pirlo a couple of times in in grabbacks when he started doing the four four two because it was clear that the you know positionless, free flowing, beautiful football he wanted to do wasn't really working. And he realized, okay, let's just go back to basics. Let's just a four-four-two. Let's just defend and and figure it out. And I think four-four-two does have that, you know, just because it's a very basic formation. I think it has that value. And when you're struggling, I think that's one formation that it's 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 kind of like an easy thing to to set back a team and just kind of like figure things out. But that also has to go with you know just playing the guys where where they're supposed to go and. I understand that, like we said, this is a flawed team. This is a flawed squad. I understand that Max Allegri doesn't have like the very best depth to actually display what he wants to display. Maybe, but just like Caleb said, like you're playing Federico Bernardeschi as a central midfielder. You're playing Adrian Rabiot white, You're doing all these things. You're playing Federico Chiesa as a striker. They're, like you're doing a bunch of these things. It's like I I understand you like to tinker. I understand it has worked for Allegri a lot in his career. But it's like either you go safe and and you just play what you know how to play or you do this experience, like different positions and things like that. And I think right now he's kind of doing some sort of hybrid of both. And, And like Caleb said, like it's just not working. It's, you know, this is a team that has a lot of players, a lot of players that need everything to be perfectly suited and perfectly tailored and just perfectly right for them to perform. And how many times have we said, like, oh, Dejan Kulusevski doesn't look comfortable out there because he can only be a right winger in a system that counterattacks. And it's like, look, that's a a valuable guy to have in your team. But, you know, here in Juventus, he's expected to play a lot more than just a guy that is valuable in counterattacks when he plays on the right wing. And they have a lot of players that just, they can play well, but if they're used in this very one specific way. And a lot of the time, that just is not possible, and, and that's what we're seeing. That's why so many guys are playing out of position or they're playing badly, and and it's just tough. It's tough because I, I think Allegri does have a lot to blame in the way that he has, you know, you know, put these guys in positions where they're not their best, but he's also kind of, you know, he doesn't really have a lot of options either because if you don't play Rabiot down on the wing, then I guess you have to play Chiesa, you know, which is not really his natural side either. So you just don't have a bunch of options. And it, and it just is it, one of those things that you just left wondering, like there's a pretty valid argument for the coaches screwing up. And then there's also a pretty valid argument as, as of like, this is a bad team. And it's just a continuous you know, circle of, of who's to blame. And, you know, they're going to have to figure that out sooner or later.
4: I I do think it might not be entirely very especially because I'm always calling out Rabio. I don't want it to make it sound like this is on you know, he he's playing so poorly at this Keep game. A lot of this is his fault. <laughs> like the thing is he's just as mediocre as the rest of our midfielders and it's like he has his moments and but the, now when he has good games, we can't tell because they're out of position. So even playing well is gonna look bad. So you know it's not necessarily on him because that's not where he belongs. I wish he could play in one of those two center mid spots or Play a433 and put him in one of those because that's where he can actually do something.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think Rabio is definitely one of those guys that and, and I've banged, banged you know the, 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 the drum on and Rabio is actually good. like I, I, I really think he's a good midfielder, but he just never really had a place where he can perform to the level that, you know, we've seen him play in the French national team. Yeah, you know, when he was at Paris Saint-Germain, Saint-Germain, uh, you know, this is a, he's a good player and we have a bunch of guys like that. Like how many times have we not said in this podcast or in articles, like Weston McKinney, like he, he can play really well if he's, you know, this you know, if, he, if you put him in this position, going to play really well. And if you do the same for Rodrigo Bentancourt, and if you do the same for like a bunch of guys that they just feel a very specific hole. And unfortunately, a bunch of those positions, they're just, you know, if you put one guy there, then the other guy doesn't have a spot. And you're always left with some sort of formation where one guy or two guys are either playing out of position or playing in a a place where, you know, it's not their best spot. You know, you can can configure out this team, in whichever way you want to do it. And you're always going to find that problem. And I think that, that, that's just not really a manager specific thing. That's just a team that is badly built, that they made bets that didn't pan out. They thought that guys were going to develop that, you know, didn't develop. And right now they're, they're in a tough spot, right? They're in a tough position and they're going to have to make decisions, you know, sooner rather than later. And they also don't have any money. So they're in a really great spot right now, Juventus, is what I'm saying. They're, they're, they're just really they really managed to put themselves in a great
2: position to succeed. Oh, uh, that, that dry Romero humor, you gotta you gotta love it.
3: I try, I try. It's my it's my way to, you know, <laughs> battle the pain, I guess.
2: <laughs> That's right. Obviously, there's there's two more games between now and the November international break, as we sit here on the cusp of the calendar going to November. Juventus have, I might add, I forgot to mention at the beginning, they have gone into a retiro, which means it's pretty much them I believe staying at the J hotel and that's about it. They're just solely focusing on football and you know they're going to we're going to see Max Allegri and I believe a player before the the Zenit game talk at a press conference and we'll see Max talk about the the Fiorentina game over you know on Friday before the Saturday match against against a a Fiorentina side that who would have predicted this at the beginning of the season is above Juventus in the standings come November. And that's about it. And that's all we're going to see from them other than the 180 or so minutes on the field. So one, do we think Retiro will actually help? Do we think it's a step in the right direction or at least something that could help them? I mean, it's been a while since things have looked this bleak for them to go into that kind of situation. I mean, I don't remember it since the, the dark days of Gigi Del Neri. So what are we expecting from these next two games? And, I mean, there there are plenty of people already saying that Retiro won't help, and, I mean, they might know more than I do. I don't know. So it's a long-winded question, too. I don't know that one that really has an answer.
4: I don't really know if they're uh, – I mean, you, you can tell. Obviously, this past week has been so, you know, discouraging i guess is a nice way of putting it probably but uh it's just two more games and such a close time span that everything right now isn't working in the squad rotation isn't working people still look tired you're still having to use every player because you got to bring them in later when you realize that you need your good players on the pitch again and no one's getting rested and you still have two more games in the next seven days and i'm not sure what you know a change of scenery like that, how much is that going to do for you? Are you, are you really going to get more rest just from not driving back home? Um, It's nice having two home games, you know, hopefully that that comes well. And hopefully uh, going back to champions league, you know, will make them like, Oh yeah, this is the competition we prefer. We're good here. We can just pretend that the league doesn't matter and you get a win on Tuesday and turn things around. But that's a, that's a little bit tough to believe right now. I think especially because like I said, this team just looks so worn down and the players that you need to play well are the most run down and it's just going to be tough going into a break. Uh, but the break's probably going to be very welcomed by the time it gets here.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know how much the, the actual, you know, we all stay at our super luxurious J hotel thing is going to, you know, make a difference in the way they play. At, at the worst is sending a message, which is, you know something. At, at, I mean, at worst, is something. It's sending a message that you know this. This is not the way. You know where we want to be. This is not the type of football we want to be playing. It should put in the J that... Hotel in the twentieth minute. Yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Chilling at the J Hotel. Uh, you know, it, I. It, it's tough to say. I, I. You know, I feel a lot like when you when you root for a baseball team that's kind of like in a in a bad streak, and it's like you don't really know if the fact that you're playing games all the time is. Like it's gonna, you know, get them out of their of their slump and it's just or it's just kind of like doing it, or it's just worse for them and it's just kind of like a snowball effect. Like that's how it feel for Juventus. Like, I don't know if playing on Tuesday against Senate is a good thing because they can quickly turn the page around and you know, kind of get themselves into 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 another groove, or it's just or it's bad because it's so close that they're really not gonna have, like Caleb said, they're not gonna have any chance to rest, they're not gonna have any chance to train something new or to come up with a new concept. Or, or to, you know, get guys settled that might not be playing really well right now. So, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, I guess. It is really Juventus that in one of their worst seasons, I remember at least domestically, they're playing great in Europe. They, they, they've won three out of three. If they beat Senate at home, which on paper they should, but that doesn't really mean anything for this team anymore. But on paper they should they could already be qualified for the round of 16 with two match days left and not even going to, to Stanford breach in England, which is the toughest match they have. They could already be in the round of 16, which is unbelievable. Like, I don't think even the most optimistic amongst us thought that that was going to be the result they would get in Europe. And then you look in, in the domestic competition and they, they're a mid table team. So, you know, who knows But you know, maybe, maybe those European lights, maybe the fact that, it's a change of scenery. It's a you know, they get the big Champions League anthem, and maybe that gets their juices going. Honestly, who knows? At this point, trying to predict what this team is going to do is just—it it really is—it's a fool's errand. I, I, I really hope that nobody's taking a tally of all the takes we've we've said in this podcast because I'm sure that we're hitting no better than like you know over 300 like I, I don't think that we're doing any better than three out of 10 intakes that we say in this podcast because you just don't know every time you think this team is turning a corner they go back to playing badly and and vice versa so you know who knows
2: yeah a lot lots of swings and misses last week Sergio we
3: uh as long not, as our on-base percentage was
4: up there I'm, I'm an analytics guy I don't I don't <laughs> the batting average we don't need that
2: walk
3: is a good as a hit <laughs>
2: <laughs> as we again have turned the podcast into the only speaks about baseball on a <laughs> soccer podcast
4: final day of the season maybe so we got to talk about it
2: yeah that's right
4: we, yeah. we can shout out weston mckinney right i know sergio was waiting on that two goals in two games got to give him something those <laughs> four good. commenters those four commenters on on you know they they were uh, hating on him for a while there those no, goals were good. always coming
3: He's good. He's good. He's a good player. He's a good player. He's just good. He's okay. And that's the thing. We have too many okay players, which is, I think it's a problem in a nutshell.
4: Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty clear that at least he's the second, the second guy behind Locatelli at this point for that midfield. I mean, they they, they got taken out, you know, the starting lineup. The first time a starting lineup didn't feature either of them since the league opener. And uh, that was like the worst midfield I think we've seen all year on Saturday with Arthur and, and Benton in there. It was just not – it
3: didn't work. It did not work. <laughs> Most things with Benton in midfield tend to not work. Don't hurt Danny's feelings now.
2: <laughs> uh, it's okay. I'm, I've gone from adopted father to disgruntled adopted father. So, uh, yeah, thing, things haven't been – I mean, it, I mean, we, we've said it. I've said it before. He, he's just become – just a, a fraction of the player he was in that first half or so, or most of this honestly, most of the season with Saudi. And I don't know, I, I who knows whether it was the lockdown, whether it was just being overrun between, you know, international duty and how much he played under Saudi. But ever since Andrea Pirlo showed up, he's never recovered that form. So uh, he's gone from, yeah, definitely at a, at a, in, An interesting young player to now just one where you you scratch your head and wonder what the heck happened. Kind of like the team in general.
3: Yeah, pretty much. And I think it's unfortunate because he he did show a lot. Like and at some point it stops being potential. At some point you have to actually fulfill it. And yeah, I don't I I think this is his fourth, fifth year with Juventus, which you know, for a prospect, at this point, I don't think he's a prospect anymore. I think he's just, you know, he is who he is. And it's unfortunate because he did at, at one point he definitely looked like, like a guy that could be a piece for Juventus in years to come. And now, on, it's, it's sad to say, but I think the only reason he's still on the team is because of that you know fee agreement they have with Boca Juniors that when they sell him, they have to pay a big fee to them. And I think they just don't want to do that. I, I really do think that's the, the biggest reason he's still on the team.
2: Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll get to some Twitter questions here. Our first one from... At I underscore Kraken, what are your realistic expectations from the rest of this season? I, I, top four,
3: I guess. That I, I you know I think at this point you're aiming for top four, and anything beyond that, I I think it's gravy. I if, if you ask me right now, I I sign you know I'd settle for the last year's you know season, like get, win the copas, uh, you know make a respectable showing in Europe, finish top four. And I think that at this point, that's my realistic expectation.
4: Yeah, I do think uh, at this point it might be just cooler to forget about the league and be like, oh, what, 6th, 7th? I guess we've got to qualify for Champions League another way and go win it. You know, that's what, that's what teams from England have done and stuff like in Spain before. Well, not Spain because it's always been Barcelona, Juventus. But you have England teams who finish like 10th like Chelsea did and then they go and make a final in the Champions League. That was a few years ago. It's probably not going to happen for Juventus, but I'm just saying, why can't we pretend that it could, you know? So um that can be my expectation is I only care about Champions League now.
3: And Copa Italia, but of course, oh, my bad, Sergio. Copa runs, I'm all about the <laughs> Copa runs. Like at this point, that that's really where, where my mind is at, where my heart is at. <laughs> and well, next year, the, the Conference League or whatever it is that we're qualifying for. Yeah, but I, I honestly, it's, yeah, it is. I, I think you know, it, they have a better shot at, at making next year Champions League by going on a run <laughs> in the actual Champions League that what they've shown in, in domestic league, which is which is pretty wild. Yeah, putting together
4: a good performance, uh, you know, once every couple of weeks is probably easier for this group than getting 38 good performances, obviously. So
2: who knows? Yeah, as, as Chucks has brought up many a times on this podcast over the last year or so, Juventus might as well just be a very good one-off team rather than one that is consistently performing. And I know he said that a lot during the the weeks after Juventus's short but relatively enjoyable unbeaten run under Andrea Pirlo towards the beginning of 2021. And I think he, he brought it up within the last week or two. So there's another Trucks reference for you. So instead of Tim Vickery, you can all drink to that after we mentioned Chuck's again. So uh, next question here from at JF Morotaya. I'm finally convinced the squad is just not good enough to be a Serie a contender. The quality issues are so glaring. Is it possible to somewhat improve the team in the winter transfer window, or do we just have to wait until the summer?
4: I think you could. Uh, I'm not sure it'll be because you're buying people. I'm uh, you know, if they, if this is like trade deadline, MLB trade deadline, again, back to baseball. Why shouldn't Juventus be sellers? You know, why not start that rebuild if you feel like you need to, and and if you feel like you can still be finished where you're going to finish anyway. You know, load awesome guys, make some money. Uh, I don't think uh, this probably isn't the answer this guy's looking for. I, mean, I think a miracle would be buying anybody to improve the team. That would be a miracle. <laughs> so uh, I think the transfer window should be maybe become sellers and and just start that process of rebuilding this entire team and organization.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I don't really think that, you know, a big signing is, is on the horizon or anything like that. Like, I know there's been a tons of rumor about, like, for, for blahovic from, from Fiorentina. I'm sure I butchered his name, but, you know, th- that that guy. Um, and there's another guy in Monaco, a midfielder, that's been linked to us a bunch of times. And I'm definitely not even trying to pronounce his name because I'm going to butcher it badly. But, you know, there's a lot of rumors right now linking us to an, to other guys. And I, I really don't think that's a possibility. The, the only, you know, in, in harping back to the to the references to American sports, like I would not be upset if they, you know, try to bring back Nicola Rovella, for example, on, on loan right now at Genoa, I think, or, or Fagioli down in Serie A. You know, maybe they could recall them uh, to Juventus in in the winter transfer window and then just play them, play them. Honestly, just stop giving minutes to Adrian Dravio, stop giving minutes to, you know, Rodrigo Bentancur and just accept that those guys are who they are and they're on their way out and just give those minutes to, to these young players that have shown flashes, that have shown talent and that, you know, could actually develop into the players you, you need to, to turn this thing around. I'd rather just see that than than to keep seeing them try to, you know, make Aaron Ramsey happy by, you know, throwing him out there for 10 minutes. Like who, who's really, you know, getting anything from that at this point? Nobody, not even Aaron Ramsey. I think, I, I don't even think he wants to be out there. So the I, doctors, I'd much the rather. The doctors get paid
4: when he goes out there.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think only the J medical staff, like, it's like, <laughs> Oh, great. Dope. Like he's out there 10 minutes. So we're, so we'll see him on Monday, I guess it's, it's, you know, I'd rather, you know, screw it. I don't even care if he's bad. Like, I want to see Luca Pellegrini out there. Like, what do you have to lose at this point? Like, just throw him out. And maybe he's terrible, but at least you know for a fact now that he's terrible. Like, give Caio George more minutes. Like, at this point, the guys that you're actually relying on are not performing. I think it's time to take some, some wild swings, especially after the winter transfer window, when I think just mathematically it's going to become... Maybe a bit more clear. Then you're not really in the Serie yeah, contention. I think. I think at that point you can start making those changes and just you know start start building for the future, for a more sustainable project than to you know remain that to try and, and get something out of these guys that that's clearly not there.
2: You asked what we can get out of Aaron Ramsey playing against Sergio. Apparently, muscle fatigue again. So you know, hey, there's there's that
3: that's that's cool i'm gonna start using that at work i I like that muscle fatigue that seems you know general enough that i could use it for for pretty much anything
2: sergio planning his next three-day weekend now sorry boss i've got muscle fatigue
3: muscle fatigue it's 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 a you don't even know (laughs) me. all
2: right next question here from at lap is goat which team are we the one that went unbeaten for nearly two months and posted five straight clean sheets or the one that face planted twice this past week. Yeah, I think, I think we don't know.
3: I think we would pretty much cover that, you know, in a bunch of different ways This this podcast. We just don't know that they're. it's a very unreliable team uh, down to the players down to everything It's just down to execution. You just don't know which team you're getting week in and week out. And this has been the case for three years and three coaches running with very different systems in place with, very different ideas of, of playtime. And it's still happening. So, sure, like like we said, I mean, we're, we're even we're actually throwing the fact that they may win the Champions League, and they might. Like, you know, if, if you just suddenly get hot and start putting performances like the one against Chelsea, you know, in Champions League, they might, because they can show those flashes. Like, these guys are not talentless. They can show those flashes. But at this point, I think it's become very clear that they cannot be relied on to be that best version of themselves consistently and that's just who they are and that's just you know what we're going to have to live with
4: realistically it probably is closer to the team that has face planted the, twice this in the past week i think because like i said especially that successful so loss, get lost it looked like the same team that we've seen for most of the year that's just happened to get a couple of goals against the run of play the one at the end obviously but that is who this Juventus team has been, you know, outside of a uh, draw against Inter maybe. And then the, the win against Chelsea is obviously the one that stands out. You're like, why can't this team show up every time? But right now, based off the sample size that we have the entire season, I, I say they're a whole lot closer to how they played this past week than than during that month unbeaten
2: run. Alrighty, here. Back after a couple weeks of no Twitter questions, we've got one from our – Our buddy, David Desberg, at the True ROAC. Our roster isn't built properly. We've had our worst start in six years. There are still massive questions about Allegri's coaching and Anieli's leadership. And to top it (laughs) off, we have no money. How close are we to a banter era 2.0 if not already in it? Remember, that team had some talent too.
4: Yeah, Uh (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Caleb. There's, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing to be optimistic about and that whole thing. You're like, yeah, no, that that, was, that all makes complete sense. This is kind of why I had, I brought up, I think I said it in the Slack channel the other day, it was just like, maybe it would have been a good thing if UEFA, you know, just decided to actually have some guts and be like, hey, Juventus, you're being punished. And Italy was like, you know what? We're going to punish you too. We're going to take a bunch of money, a bunch of players are going to go, you're going to Serie B and... Maybe all the ownership changes, you know, that would, that would have been great Then You know, we might be dealing with all of this anyway, but we'd at least be in a spot where I feel a little bit more confident. And it's like, we might get there on our own. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows how bad things go, how South things go from here, but uh, maybe starting it up uh, sooner rather than later, I think is probably a good thing.
3: Yeah. This team is in the, you know, uh, unenviable position of being old, overpaid, you know, not super, you know, there's not a lot of young prospects to look out for. They have maybe three, four, you know, if you've, if you are charitable, five guys that are really worth keeping a hold of outside of that. I really do think it's time for that teardown. I know they've been putting it off for a while. They've been trying to do the whole thing, you know, retool and and we can still make another run for it. But I think at this point they, they really could. I, I, I really wouldn't be sad to see like 85% of this team go. Like I really wouldn't. I know, I understand that this is not FIFA. Like that's not just not, not a realistic expectation, especially with, as, as the question goes, we don't have any money. So I understand that that's not a realistic expectation. But at this point, what are you really winning from running it back with freaking Adrian Rabio and Rodrigo Ventancourt? Like, you know, we've seen what we've seen from these guys with three coaches and it's pretty much the same thing. You know, just cut your losses, start fresh, start new, you know, give young guys a chance, start making, you know, maybe less high-profile signings, but maybe smarter signings. And, and you know, you, you, you could be right back in it in a couple of years, really. But at, at this point, I think just going through the motions of pretending that this team has any chance of, of suddenly turning a page, I, I think it's just, it, it really is a fool's errand.
2: So Sergio, going off of that, who would you actually keep out of this group? I, I think uh,
3: <laughs> the first one is probably the one that if they really wanted to do a, a rebuild, that's their biggest chip to cash. But I still think Matias delict is, is a blue cheaper. I think that that's one guy that you can definitely look at at uh, a big building block of of your next great Juventus team. You got to look at Federico Chiesa, for example. That's another guy that you want to keep. Uh, you know, if, if I'm charitable and I'm, and I'm feeling kind of charitable because I do think he was one of the sole bright spots of yesterday. Paulo Dybala, I do think that's another guy that you have to keep, that you have to to give another chance. But outside of that, you know, Manuel Locatelli, that's another dude I'd, I'd like to keep around. Really, outside of that, I, I wouldn't be upset if anyone else, you know, left. I like Álvaro Morata, like as a fan favorite, I really think like, I like him. I think he's been part of some really cool Juventus moments. He really likes the club. If he wanted to come back for an affordable fee as a you know backup rotational striker, I wouldn't be upset. I think early in the season, I, I think I, I wrote up a piece about how they would rely on him to actually become a consistent striker. And that was probably not a super smart bet. And turns out it wasn't because Alvaro Morata is either a top 10 striker or a bottom 10 striker, and there's absolutely no in-between with him, uh, which, again, is fine. Like, that's a fine player to have, but that's not a guy that you can rely on. So, so yeah, actually, looking back on it, it's four. It's four guys. I, it, as long as we keep those four guys, everyone else, I'm, I'm just fine with seeing go.
4: Yeah, that list is is – I feel like it's probably everyone's list at that point, but even then, it's just everyone below that – when you mentioned the guys who are out on loan right now or, or some academy guys, like they go above the list than most of the guys who are actually in the first team right now. Like I want to, I want to keep all of the young guys and well before I want to keep, well, our you know, Arthur is just, he's like 25 or something, which still is crazy, but still these guys, if we're talking about a complete rebuild, do it the right way. Don't, don't half-ass it. You know what I mean? There's no reason to go out there and the, uh, be like oh we, we made two changes to our starting eleven it's like oh cool yeah yeah that that'll do it that'll do the trick for sure like no changes to the bench though it's like that's very Juventus. that's that's what i really expect to happen right there so i, I think that the core is obviously there it's would be great to keep them you know bring back buffon we'll be we'll all be happy it'll be good <laughs> is there is there a recall that we can do on him in the winter time is that allowed he, he's looked good the past week. He's been the only good thing, you know, Juventus-related. So
2: <laughs> he's having way too fun, too much fun with Parma. You wouldn't want to come back to this.
4: <sighs> they are having yeah, fun. I, I saw the, the video of him playing like a rock, rock, paper, scissors with the team, and no one could beat him. That was the funniest video I've ever seen. I loved it. I was like, he oh saved, man,
2: he saved a penalty <laughs> just a few days ago. He did save
4: a penalty.
3: Honestly, I I wouldn't want to come back either. I <laughs> don't like that. <laughs> that looks a whole lot. Only more good fun. memories. Cut yeah. it off right now.
2: Exactly. All right, well, we we mentioned Alvaro Morata, and we will wrap things up with this Twitter question that's somewhat related to him. From at, and I hope I don't get this uh, wrong, but I'm sure I will, Nobiani, I know Kyle George is a bit raw, but we can't do do worse with Morata's inconsistent form. Should we start the young Brazilian?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think that harkens back to our point, right? Like, I'd rather give that guy minutes than just, you know, like, again, and again, this sounds like risks, but I like Alvaro Morata. Like, I really do. But at this point, he is who he is, and you still don't know what Caio George is. So I'd much rather give him more minutes and just accept that when Morata's in a bad run of form, like, you just can't rely on him. So rather throw out a young guy that can show something. And I was honestly pleasantly surprised with the little we saw from him on, uh, against asuolo Like, I just because of the way it was reported, just because of the way that signing was kind of handled uh, PR-wise, because I never really saw Kayo George play before he, he was signed with Juventus. It, it looked like he was a super raw prospect. Like, you know, he had skill, he had talent, but like he wasn't really going to sniff minutes. Like when he was out there, he looked like he belonged. Like, he, like I wouldn't really think of him as a, you know, super raw prospect. Like he really looked like he belonged. Like I wouldn't say that he was, a, you know, a top level player, but I, I didn't really think that, you know, he couldn't get any minutes. So I would definitely love to see more from him.
4: Yeah. I think the biggest thing about it was he just looked so comfortable on the ball, making the runs, being in the right place. He was a striker and that coming off the back of, you know, probably Murata's worst ever performance for Juventus, what 11 touches in 60 minutes or whatever it was. I mean, that was just awful. So anyone could have gone in there and probably looked like a capable striker. My worry is, you know, I, and I I want Kyle to, to play well, get his chances, especially right now. My worry is for Moise Keen because he's hurt right now. And if he gets jumped and, and Kyle goes in there and plays well, he's gonna be jumped in the depth chart. And that is kinda of, would really be a bummer. I'm I'm a huge fan of him. And but at the same time, he had a couple of chances himself this season already. He's gotten a couple of starts and it didn't look that much better than having Murata in there or having Kulaseski as the second striker. It, I'm all for it. You know, maybe we should just go with the false nine four three three and have Chiesa and have the ball without actually a true striker in there. That seems like you know what? I just put my entire script. That's what I'm going with, and we don't need strikers at all. Kai Horia can stay on the bench, and uh, that's my final answer. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming in and listening to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. That was my final point. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, we'll wrap things up on that note. Thank you very much, Caleb, for wrapping it up for me. Although you forgot the plugs, man. Come on. So with that being said, you can send us your Twitter questions next week at Juventus Nation on Twitter. We always appreciate them. You can follow us there as well as on Facebook. Search at Black and White and Red all over. You can follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, spotify or google podcasts on all three of those search black and white and red all over if you're on apple podcasts feel free to leave us a review give us a nice rating we have not gotten one review in over a calendar year so we would like to see a few new ones over there not that i'm counting or paying attention or anything like that let me get the list of names going here for sergio for caleb for the absent chucks And for Sam, the new dad, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys hopefully in a better mood next week.